identify as a unicorn? Are you unhinged? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Unhinged Unicorns. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Unhinged Unicorns. My name is Josh and I'm your host. I'm recording this episode by myself. Steph is not here tonight, so I just wanted to make an episode and just kind of catch up with you, the listener, and just kind of check in with where I'm at right now. So I have shared previously on this podcast that I have struggled with weight and with my food addiction for basically my entire life. And I have gone up and down and back and forth and in and out of recovery uh, for many years. So I thought I would just kind of briefly tell a little of my background for those of you who are not aware. So back in 2007, I was 22 years old. My family did an intervention on me through the TV show intervention. And they sent me to Florida to go to an inpatient treatment program where I went for four months. I was in treatment for four months. And that was my first exposure to 12-step recovery. During that time, I lost a lot of weight. And at the time, I really truly thought that I was working a recovery program. But I look back on it now, and I realized that I was in a lot of ways doing it for the wrong reasons. There was the element of being on television, which is not a typical situation for most people who find their way into recovery. And so I wasn't really doing it for myself, but I felt like, I mean, I was to a point I was, I did want to lose weight. I did want to get healthy, but there was also a big part of me in the back of my mind that was doing it because I felt like all these people were watching my story on TV and I wanted to look good for the cameras. And this even started before I went to treatment, even when I found out that there was going to be a camera crew. And this was before I even knew that it was intervention. I had been told that there was going to be a camera crew and that they were filming a documentary on people who struggle with eating disorders. And they told me that it was going to be used in uh, like colleges for medical students. They would show this for medical students. And I was, I was hesitant to even participate because they told me that they were not going to help me lose weight. And I was already at that point in my life, very depressed, very miserable at my weight. And it was my mom who actually convinced me to go ahead and do the documentary, even though they weren't going to help me lose weight. And her reasoning was, well, you never know who might see this, who might be able to help you. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. Fast forward to going to the treatment program, which was wonderful. I mean, I learned a lot in my time there, but as I said before, I, I really was not doing it for the right reasons. I still in the back of my mind was doing it for all these people who I thought were watching and had followed my story. So when I got out of treatment, I went from one extreme to the other. Prior to going into treatment, I had been binge eating like crazy. I'm talking like I would sit down at a meal. Well, I would drive through a drive through and sit in my car in the privacy of my vehicle and I would eat two or three meals at a time, or I would jump from one restaurant to another and I would just hit like this circuit of fast food restaurants. And I would literally eat myself to the point where I could not physically take another bite. I was so full, my stomach was so full 
that there were times where I literally felt like I was going to explode. My stomach was in so much pain from how much I had eaten. And it was very uncomfortable. And the physical side effects of gaining that much weight, I mean, at that point, I was almost 550 pounds. And I'm six feet tall, or just shy of it. I'm a pretty big guy, just naturally speaking, let alone the, the extra weight. But I was so uncomfortable at that size that it was affecting my mobility. It was affecting my ability to breathe, especially if I was walking or doing any strenuous physical activity. I would be very, very out of breath. And I just was very miserable. As a human being, I was just miserable at that size. So when I went to treatment, I started losing weight. Even during the time I was in treatment, I think I lost around 100 pounds or just shy of it. And as the weight came off, I started to feel better. I was able to do more. And being on TV fed the ego. You know, people recognized me and would come up to me and congratulate me on losing weight. And it was very much ego driven for me. But I also felt better too. You know, I had lost some weight. I was able to get around easier. And so I went from one extreme of binging all the time to where I just wanted to be thin. And so I started restricting my food. And I wasn't eating enough. And even though I was still technically overweight, my body became anorexic. And I remember at one point I passed out and I was hospitalized for several days because I, my body was just, it was, I was malnutritioned. And the crazy, the crazy thing about all of this, I'm sharing this because I just want to expose the depths of my food addiction. When the camera crew came and I found out that they were coming, I really wanted to control what I let them see. I was willing to be honest, but only to a point. I didn't want them to see the real extent to which my addiction had gone. So for example, before they came, I had cleaned my room. Now, my room at the time was like, imagine a hoarder's room. If you've ever seen that TV show Hoarders, you see these houses that are just full of trash and, I mean, from floor to ceiling. Now, it wasn't quite that bad, but my entire floor in my bedroom was just covered in fast food trash. I'm talking pizza boxes and empty gallons of milk and empty food bags and just trash, you know, just covering the entire room. And of course, I was embarrassed by that, and I didn't want the cameras to see that. So I cleaned that all up before they came. And my car was the same way, just full of fast food trash. And it wasn't even that I liked hoarding that. It was more of a laziness factor. Like, I just felt so overwhelmed by how much trash there was. And combined with the fact that I was so out of shape and it just was so taxing for me to do even the simplest of tasks that I would let that trash build up and build up and build up. And then I just was, you know, overwhelmed by it and I wouldn't do anything about it. So before the camera crew came, I cleaned my room. I also went and got my teeth whitened because I wanted to look good on camera. And I, I somehow felt that if I whitened my teeth, <laughs> that would make me look good. <laughs> the absurdity of it now, you know, I, I think back on it and I just think how crazy that is. So after going to treatment and starting to lose the weight and going from one extreme to the other, I did lose a lot of weight. I lost 
I want to say it was around 250 pounds in just over a year. I mean, it was a massive amount of weight, too much weight. I should, I, in hindsight, lost too much too quickly. And while I did do some emotional work and spiritual work, I really was focused on the physical recovery. I, I mentioned a little bit ago that I, it was really about ego for me. It really fed into my ego losing weight. And that's because we live in a society that compliments people who lose weight. I mean, we live in a society that's very image driven. If you look good, you get compliments. If you transform your body, you get compliments. Um, it's all about looking good, right? And so I did get a lot of compliments. People were, you know, congratulating me on losing weight. And it, it felt good to be recognized for that. But I was doing it in an unhealthy way. I was doing it in an, to, I was doing it to an extreme that was very unhealthy. And when I fell off the wagon, so to speak, I did not want to talk about it. I did not want people to see my struggle. I was very content letting people see my successes, but I did not like to let people in to see the struggle. And again, that went back to when the camera crew came originally. I didn't want them to see truly how bad it had gotten. I was willing to let them see a little, but not everything. Well, after I got out of treatment and started losing weight, I eventually started making content for YouTube. And this was, I want to clarify, I did make content early on when YouTube was still fairly new, but I didn't really get into making content regularly until I want to say maybe 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. And at that point, a lot, a lot had happened between then and when I first went to treatment. So let me kind of backtrack a little. I ended up relapsing after I got out of treatment. I lost a ton of weight. A lot of cool stuff happened. I was invited to be on the Oprah Winfrey show, which again, just further fueled the ego. And then my world fell apart. I lost my job. I couldn't find work. I ended up moving back from Florida where I had gone to treatment back to Texas, which is where I was when the intervention took place. And I jumped into a relationship that was not a healthy one. And during that time is when I got back into the food. And when I say I got back into the food, I'm saying it came on very quickly. I gained a hundred pounds in six months. And again, I was very unhappy and I turned to food and I was, you know, binging to stuff my emotions. So after the weight came back on, I didn't get quite back to where I had been at my heaviest to that point, but I gained back a good majority of what I had lost. And I ended up moving in with a friend of mine. We were roommates and, uh, you know, I was still active in the food addiction at that point. And then I met someone and got into another relationship and I attempted to lose the weight again, but this time I did not do it through any kind of 12 step recovery program. I just did it on my own and I was going to the gym regularly. I was eating healthy. I was really doing it for this relationship, truly. And again, I said I was doing it for myself, but really it was that I was doing it for the guy that I was with. And I did, I, I lost the weight again. I got back down to where I had been previously and I kept it off for a few years, but I, I still was not where I wanted to be. 
and I still was unhappy. You see, I am a food addict. I'm an addict in general. I always want more. It's been that way, I think, my whole life. And food just happened to be the first thing and the, the most long-lasting thing that has given me comfort. But with that comfort, there comes a level of pain and imprisonment. Really, it's like being imprisoned in your own body. Food addiction is an addiction that you carry for the world to see. Other addictions, you might be able to hide it for a little while. However, the unmanageability is it's there no matter what form the disease takes. It eventually will catch up. Food addiction just so happens to be, in many cases, the type of addiction where it's more easily noticed from the outside. For someone who is anorexic, it shows when the body is too thin. For someone who binges, like myself, it shows in the weight that you carry. So it's, it's a very outwardly noticeable disease. So after I lost the weight, after meeting that guy, we were together for several years. And I was able to keep it off for quite a while several years. However, throughout that relationship, I became more and more unhappy. And eventually, I got back into the food again. And this time, I really think, I didn't do this intentionally, but I think that I subconsciously put back on the weight as a means to push that person away from me. I feel like in a lot of ways I have used my food addiction to keep people at a distance. And when I started making content for YouTube, the goal was to document my recovery journey. And I wanted to, there were a couple of reasons why I wanted to do it that way. Number one, I wanted support through building a community of people who were trying to do the same thing. And I felt like if we could all do it together, it would help motivate me to keep going and, you know, pursue recovery on a long-term basis. Because if you look back at my story, I had experienced short periods of recovery, but never long-term lasting recovery. Every time that I've lost a significant amount of weight, it has been for two to three years, and then the weight has come back on. So I've never been able to really experience long-lasting recovery. So by making content for YouTube, I was hoping that I could find a community who we could do it together and keep it off and motivate each other. The second reason why I wanted to do content for YouTube is because I do want to help other people. And I thought by you know sharing my experience sharing the success of losing weight, it would help inspire other people to be able to do the same. And then there was actually a third, this wasn't initially my goal, but it sort of became an idea that sort of grew on me, which was I wanted to create a channel where I could live out my bucket list dreams. And when I say bucket list dreams, I'm not just talking about, you know, the standard bucket list things, but I'm talking more specifically things that I'm unable to do as a result of my food addiction when I'm at my heaviest. So even simple things like taking a hike or, you know, do, doing something that requires some physical activity that I'm not able to do at my current weight. So I wanted to not only do that for the channel, but I also wanted to help other people be able to share their stories of overcoming obstacles in their lives and to help them live out a bucket list dream. And I wanted to be able to do it with them on camera as I, you know, pursued losing weight 
and, and chasing my recovery. So I made content for YouTube for a while. I ended up in that time, I ended up going back into treatment again for a second time. And this was in early 2020. So I went to treatment at the end of January of 2020. While I was in treatment, the pandemic started and everything shut down. And I had just put my house on the market in Texas and I decided to move here to Florida. And it, there was a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety about the future and what that would hold and what it would look like. And I remember the treatment center had this, in one of the rooms, they had this big thing up on the wall and it had a bunch of handwritten quotes from people. And one of the things that was written on that board was, God didn't bring me this far to drop me on my ass. And that became kind of like a mantra for me in that period of uncertainty, because I did not know what the future was going to hold. At that point, everything shut down. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before, where literally the world just stops for a period of time. And I didn't have a job. I had just put my house on the market. I had a vehicle that I couldn't afford the car payment for. I had a house that I couldn't afford the mortgage payment for. I literally had nothing lined up. Like I had nothing lined up and I didn't know what I was going to do with the things that I did have. And somehow things worked out. The house had been viewed prior to everything shutting down. I think there were three showings of the house. One of those people made an offer. The offer that they made gave just enough money for me to survive on until I was able to get a job. The treatment center that I went to, um, I, I was planning to stay for 90 days for my second stay there. But when I lost my job, my insurance stopped. And so I ended up having to leave treatment early. I was able to get into a, a sober living house. They scholarshiped me for two months while I was able to kind of get back on my feet. And that gave time for the house to sell and for those funds to come through. So things just kind of fell into place in a way where even with the fear and anxiety of what was happening, you know, things worked out. So that was back in March of 2020. And I have stayed in Florida since then. I'm still here. And I've, I've just, for the last two years, I have just faced a series of challenges in my life. I was in a car accident. I got injured, which affected my ability to be able to exercise. I was going to the gym regularly prior to the accident. When I got injured, that wasn't able to happen anymore. And so the progress that I had begun to make uh, as far as the physical recovery stopped. And if you've never dealt with extreme pain, it's very, it doesn't just take a toll physically, but it also takes a toll emotionally. Because after I got injured, I really felt like, in a lot of ways, I just felt like my life had been taken from me, in a way. Like, not my life, obviously, but the ability to enjoy my life in the same way that I had been able to before. And suddenly, the dream of making content like the bucket list dream thing, that felt like it was out of grasp for me now because suddenly I'm not physically able to do what I used to be able to do. And when I do even the simplest things, it causes horrendous pain. And so I, I sunk into a very deep depression and 
I remember thinking, like, is this what my life is going to be? Like, I can't, like, I just, I feel like I'm existing. I mean, it was so bad at points that I couldn't even walk from the living room to the bedroom. I was in such horrendous pain. And it was frightening. It was frightening. And I really just, I was scared, you know? I, I, I questioned like is this really what my life is going to be like thankfully the pain has improved somewhat i still have days where i deal with with the chronic pain but it has for the most part improved and i i'm hoping that it stays that way I did have a procedure done on my back, which helped alleviate some of the pain. Um, but it is a temporary fix, they said. So we shall see. I'm hoping that it continues to allow me to lead a fairly normal life. I won't be bull riding or um, pole vaulting anytime soon, but that's okay. <laughs> so why I felt compelled to share all of this with you is because I wanted to catch you up on where I'm at currently, both in a physical sense and an emotional sense. I shared with you early on that I struggle with sharing when I'm struggling. It's easy for me to share and make content and talk about the success, you know, when I'm doing well. But it is really, really difficult for me to share when I'm struggling. And right now, I am struggling. I'm struggling, and I've been struggling for a while. But it has gotten to a point where I am really, really struggling. About three months ago, I had made a decision to go back into a treatment program again for a third time. My food, my eating disorder has been very out of control. And I have put back on all of the weight plus some. And combined with this back injury, I'm dealing with physical consequences as a side effect of my disease that have rendered me almost immobile. I can still get around, I can still drive my car, but I'm at a, a weight now where if I do even simple just walking uh, from here to my car, I'm extremely winded. So a few months ago, I decided that I don't want to keep going down this path, and I decided to look into going to treatment again. But I wanted to go to a different treatment program than the last one because I'd been through that program twice and I have nothing but good to say about that treatment center, but I just wanted a different, like a fresh perspective. Well, I attempted, I contacted several different treatment programs and I just, either they only accepted women or they denied me uh, from being approved for their program for various reasons, mostly medical, um, which is ironic, you know, because I am trying to get treatment for an eating disorder, but at the same time, I am, and I understand this, that I am a liability as a result of my weight. I am the heaviest that I think I've ever been, or close to it, and as I've gotten older, I struggle with, I'm diabetic, I am, I have high blood pressure, I'm on medication for those things, but even with taking medication, you know, uh, the c consequences of my disease have caught up to me, and I'm not in good shape physically. And quite frankly, I'm not in good shape emotionally either. Well, after being denied into those programs, I decided that it was time to get back to the basics. And I understand that not everybody who finds recovery 
is able to go to treatment. And it's not like I don't know what to do because I've done this before. I've been around recovery programs now for 15 years. I know what steps to take to get into recovery. It's just a matter of finding accountability around it and doing, just doing it. Now, let me backtrack a little bit. About a year and a half ago or so, I moved outside of Tampa into a, a town called Plant City, which is about 30 minutes or so outside of the city. And I moved out there with a friend of mine with the intention of being able to save money because it wasn't anything fancy. It was a single wide mobile home, but the rent was affordable and it would give us both an opportunity to save money. Well, <laughs> I love, I love my friend. I still, we're still friends to this day, but we do not make good roommates. We just don't. It wasn't a good, it was, first of all, the, the space was way too small. And so we were basically up each other's ass all the time. And it just didn't work out as far as a living arrangement. So he ended up moving out and they raised my rent whenever he moved out. So um, I was no longer saving money, really. And as most of you know, the cost of living has increased everywhere. But here in Florida, it seems to, especially with rent, uh, it has gone up and up and up. And so I just felt like I was overpaying for the, the type of place I was living in. Well, about a month ago, this happened at the beginning of July, my air conditioner went out in that place. And I went for two weeks without air conditioning here in the summer heat of Florida. And I am a big guy, almost 600 pounds right now. So I, to say the least, am not built for this kind of heat. So after my landlord was dragging their feet on re replacing the air conditioner, I decided to take matters into my own hands and try to find somewhere else to live. So I was desperately searching for an apartment or a room to rent, and I just could not find a place that was reasonably priced or that didn't require like three grand to move in. And so I ended up contacting uh, someone who has a sober living house and they had an opening available for a one bedroom, one bathroom um, place in a sober living house. And so I said, okay, I'll take it. So I, a very last minute moved and thank God for my friends because this was so stressful to pack and move in the middle of Florida summer without air conditioning. When I tell you it was stressful and it was miserable and it was uncomfortable, it was, it was like the epitome of all of those things combined. But my friends really helped me out immensely and I cannot thank them enough. Um, so I got moved into this new place and this place has air conditioning and I really felt like it was going to be, there was a lot of pros for me to move here. Number one, it was closer to all of my friends and my recovery network. It would allow me to be able to see them more frequently. It was also closer to the in-person meetings that I used to go to all the time. So it would get me kind of plugged back into the recovery community here in Tampa. And that certainly outweighed the cons, which would, was that it was going to put me in kind of a financial, uh, a tight financial situation for a few months while I pay the deposit for this place and, um, you know, get, get moved in here. Well, about a week into staying here, I discovered that this place has, I don't know if it's mice or if it's rats, but there are some type of rodents in my apartment. And it has made it very uncomfortable living here. Um, because I hear them, you know, uh, I've set mouse traps, and they have set off the mouse traps twice, 
but I haven't caught anything successfully. Um, and it's just very unnerving to know that there are live rodents in my house. They've eaten my food. Like they got into a loaf of bread and ate a big chunk of it. Um, so yeah, it's been a little uncomfortable with that. And I, part of me is falling into this like self pity mode of like, why is this happening to me? You know, like I feel like I moved from one shithole into another and I'm really struggling right now to find the positives in my life and to see the gratitude in my life right now, because I just being perfectly transparent with you, I'm very, very financially insecure at the moment. Um, like uh, enough to where I've had to borrow money from friends just to be able to afford groceries. And I, I struggle with being very like self-reliant and, and not wanting to ask for help and not wanting to rely on other people for help. And this whole process with the move and with, you know, the financial insecurity has forced me to ask for help because I physically wasn't able to move myself uh, and all my furniture and everything. So I, I had to have help there. And now with my financial situation, I'm again having to ask for help. And it's just very, very, very uncomfortable for me to do that. I don't like having to rely on other people for help. And I feel like a burden when I do have to ask for help. And the reason why I'm even sharing all of this is because I don't want to only present the positives and the good things that I'm doing anymore. I've done that for a long time now where I only share the good stuff that's happening. But right now I'm, I'm struggling with, I feel like I'm drowning and I feel like I'm treading water, you know, as best I can. But I feel like I've got all these weights that are just pulling me down and I'm fighting for dear life. You know, I'm every, every bit of energy that I have is going into like trying to stay afloat. And no matter what energy I put out, no matter what I do, I just feel like I'm, on the verge of drowning and it's not a fun place to be in. It's not enjoyable to feel like this, but that's where I'm at right now. And I'm taking a class through this spiritual center that I go to that is talking about getting in touch with your soul. The concept here is that our soul puts us in situations to learn lessons, right? And what we put out into the universe, the energy that we put out into the universe will come back to us, right? So if we operate at a high frequency, high frequency vibrations are going to be like gratitude, forgiveness, um, you know, living in a state of, of gratitude really is, is a high frequency vibration. Low frequency vibration is negative anxiety, fear, um, complaining a lot, you know, and what happens is that almost acts like a block to the source that flows through us. Right. So if I'm operating in a place of gratitude, then that allows the source, you know, from God or higher power or spirit or whatever you want to call that to flow through me and go out, and then it comes back to me, right? But if I'm operating on a low level vibration where I'm complaining or full of fear or anxiety, then that acts like a block and it doesn't allow that source to flow through me, which then in turn doesn't allow things to come back to me, right? So in theory, I understand this, but y'all, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling right now to find the gratitude in my situation because I just... It has been a struggle, and I feel like I have been struggling for so long that I don't know how to break it. I don't know how to get out of it, you know? And I tried to do something positive by moving here to be closer to my 
my network of friends and, you know, to be closer to the meetings. And yet I just, I find myself back in another situation where I just am miserable and I don't like, I just, I'm struggling y'all like, and I just wanted to come on here and be honest about where I'm at. And sometimes life is hard. And I don't know, while I'm in the middle of this, I don't know what the purpose is or what the lesson is for me to learn here. And maybe I won't know that for a while. Or maybe the purpose is for me to share about this in hopes that it will connect with other people who are going through similar situations. So... One thing that I'm going to work on is trying to get back into the gratitude. And I'm going to start right now and just share about some things that I'm grateful for. First of all, I'm incredibly grateful for my friends. I have some of the most amazing friends. I have people who call and check in on me on a regular basis. and I have friends who bring me such incredible joy and laughter and just are such unique individuals. And I don't, I believe that everyone comes into my life for a reason. You know, some people are here for a short time. You know, maybe it's a lesson I need to learn from them. And some people are here for a long term. And um, whatever the circumstances are with the people who are in my life right now, I just, I'm very grateful for them because I've, it, they've enriched my life in ways that I can't even explain. Another thing that I'm grateful for is air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, I will say this. Yes, I may have a, a herd of rats in my walls, but I'm living in some air conditioning right now, and that is just <laughs> very luxurious. Because <laughs> going two weeks without air conditioning, I didn't realize how much I take it for granted until I did not have it. Because I was miserable. Y'all, let me just tell you, the boob sweat I had, oh, it was terrible. I never want to experience that again. It was really bad. Another thing that I'm grateful for is, and I'm going to say this, but I, I want to be clear that I don't rely on this enough, but I'm very grateful for the spiritual journey that I have been on because it has been one full of peaks and valleys. I have experienced some religious trauma in my life, I've experienced um, some bigotry, you know, for people who are anti-gay um, and who have used religion as a means to kind of, you know, force their views upon me. Um, and so for a long time, I really struggled when it came to talking about spirituality and anytime people would say the word God around me, my walls would instantly go up. But I, throughout all of that, have maintained this desire to connect to something greater than me. And I, it's hard for me to explain how that journey has progressed, but I will say this, that my understanding of the word God today is far different from my understanding of that word 15 years ago when I first was introduced into uh, a 12-step recovery. For those of you who are not familiar with 12-step recovery, it is very much spiritual-based. So the 12 steps, um, you know, a lot of them deal with finding a higher power um, and letting that higher power transform your life. And most people in recovery refer to that higher power as God. Now, the beauty of it is that you can define your own higher power. 
And that's what I've had to do for myself is I've had to let go of the definition of God that I was raised with. And I've been able to kind of develop my own understanding of what God looks like for me. And, and for me now, God is a source of love, truly just love and acceptance. Um, I know for some people that is not always the case, (laughs) but, um, for me, that's, that's what I choose to believe that God is. And I try to allow that to work through my life so that I put that out into the universe too. Now, as a gay male, I can be bitchy. I can be judgmental as hell. Um, I have a very colorful sense of humor and I laugh at things that are highly inappropriate, but I do believe that as a, uh, as a child of God, so to speak, as someone who is made in God's image, uh, I can't help but think that God has a sense of humor too. You know, I'm pretty sure God thinks that farts are funny because he invented them, right? He probably made that happen. It was like, that's funny. Like, I just imagine God, like if God was like this giant, super, super being, right. He just like picks up a little human and then like squeezes them. So they fart. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) that's some of the things that go through my mind. But what I'm learning in this class that I've been taking is that that source from higher power or God or whatever you call that, it is within us. All of us have that higher self, the part of us, the soul that's connected to that energy. And if we can quiet our thoughts and allow ourselves to really connect with our soul, we can learn the truth about who we are or the lessons that we need to learn or what we need to do next. Right. But for me, it's difficult to quiet the ego. You know, the ego wants to keep me safe. It wants to protect me. And so the ego sometimes will say things in my own voice to myself that are not necessarily true, but it, it does that to try to protect me, quote unquote, protect me. So one thing that I've been trying to practice more of is prayer and meditation. And I struggle with this even now, even with all the work that I've done, as far as my spiritual journey is concerned, when I'm really struggling, the last thing I think to do is to sit down and pray. And on a very basic level, prayer is where you talk to God or spirit or higher power. And meditation is where you listen to God or spirit or higher power. And I struggle with both of those things because I don't always know what to say, except for, of course, those foxhole prayers, you know, when my life is crashing around me and I'm like, God, Please help me out of this situation. I promise I'll never do X, Y, Z again. I'm really good at the foxhole prayers. But when things are really a challenge, like a true challenge, I, I want to, and my goal is to work on leaning into prayer, leaning into reaching out to my higher power. Because I feel like these challenging times, like what I'm going through right now, that's the time that tests faith. Somebody said something in a meeting that I was at the other day that was really powerful to me. And they said that when they sit down and they connect and they meditate, they said that they try to breathe in faith and breathe out fear. And I just love that because for so long, fear has ruled my life. I have allowed fear to keep me from doing so many things that I wanted to do. 
And where there's fear, there isn't room for faith. But where there's faith, there is not room for fear. So I'm working to just let, let that faith in and lean on it. Like that's what it's there for. And that's challenging. It's hard to do. I'm not going to say that I'm an expert at it by any means, but I certainly am working on it. And I will say, even just sitting here and talking about this, I do feel better because I'm yesterday. I was having some seriously scary thoughts. You know, I was not that I was like suicidal or anything, but I was having thoughts of like, what's the point? Like, what's the point? I'm just, I'm unhappy. And, you know, I just feel like I'm going from, you know, bad situation to bad situation. And no matter what I do, I just can't get out of it. But I want to transform that thinking. You know, there's a lesson that can be learned in this. And someday, when I'm on the other side of this, I'll be able to look back at that and be like, oh, I see that that happened for this reason. I don't know what the future holds. But maybe this path that I'm on, as bumpy as it is right now, is going to lead me to something better. And I have to have faith that that's the case. The beauty is, is that this moment is temporary. This too shall pass. I just have to let it. And if I can get to the other side of it, once I get to the other side of it, I'll be able to look back at this situation and laugh, you know? So with that, I'm going to wrap up for today. I just want to thank you all so much for listening. I hope that wherever you're at, you're having a wonderful day. And if you're going through a challenging situation like this, hang in there. I'm, I'm saying this for me, too, because I need to hear this. This, too, shall pass. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Thank you all so much for listening, and I will see you next time. If you like this episode and want to hear more, please visit our website at unhingedunicorns.com. You can also support this podcast and access member-only content by visiting patreon.com forward slash unhingedunicorns.